Salutation Shades, and welcome back to your one-stop shop for all things strange and unusual, Talking with Shadows. The conversation everyone has, but no one wants to admit to. Here with your host, Vic Whaley. And Marcus D. And welcome back, guys. And we want to give a big shout-out to one of our most favorite fans, Avis Rex, the Dark Phoenix, for his fantastic artwork that he did for the Indiana Mer- Mud Mermaids episode that we did last time. Oh, yeah, I love so much of his work. He, posts, yes. he just posts, like, we gave him, like, a little, like, fan art section, and he just fills, fills it, up. Fills, fills it, and I absolutely adore it's it. It's great, and it's needed, too, because there's not a whole lot of artwork done about the Indiana Mud Mermaid. Like, if you guys seen some of our earlier work, which there's, like, photos going up all the time, like, I would have been having a real hard time finding anything, and I thought that he did a very, very, very fantastic job, but that's a great job, Dark Phoenix. Do you have a, fav- a favorite Avis Rex? Uh, one that he did, yeah, the uh, Indiana Mud Mermaid that he did. I was that or the uh, awesome artwork that he did for today's uh, episode as well, because there's also not a lot of whole art, good artwork as well for uh, isn't for entombed live animals as well. He did like a kind of aquatic themed chupacabra looking oh, creature, and that like is that. by far hands down my favorite. Yeah. I absolutely adore it. So good, big props to you. Thank you so much. We appreciate it so much, man. We appreciate that so much. <laughs> And uh, for today, uh, Vic has got us acting like a bunch of uh, basic white, because this is not the uh, pillow talks, men can't swear, but we are drinking Smirnoff Ice, red, white, and berry. Well, I figured this is probably going to go up around the 4th of July, and I'm like, what, what screams 4th of July more than a bomb pop? And these are alcoholic, so why not? <laughs> Alcohol. Let me try these alcoholic bomb pops. Cheers to y'all for listening. Mm. Hope you guys are having a good 4th. No, they're pretty good. It does. That actually tastes a lot like an alcoholic bomb pop. That's yeah, actually, yeah. That's actually not too bad. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I've had one once before because one of our friends, like, this was the only thing she would drink. You, you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, that's tasty. Oh, that's that, that hits the spot. And joining us in the studio today is Ellie. And by joining us in the studio, I mean she's actually present in the studio. She's not participating with us. She wouldn't, but I just want you to know she is here. She wouldn't come over here and record and play <laughs> with us, Ellie. Thank you so much. <laughs> sarcasm about it. She's not. Uh, you know what? This is where I parked my car. I might need to leave before she shanks me. Uh, anyway, this is phenomenal alcohol, Vic. Great. Good for you. Good job. Nice backpedal there. Mm. Nice backpedal. Absolutely. Moving right along. Let's get into some comments that we had for our last episode. If you didn't check out our last episode, we talked about the Indiana Mud Mermaids. This really cool mermaid story from southern Indiana that was from the nineteenth early 19th century. Absolutely go check it out. Sue. So, First comment we got comes to us from Creepy California. Super super duper fan. Creepy California says, another great video on topic, guys. Maybe it was a large beaver with a skin condition or disease. Yeah, I did consider that one as well. I thought Otter fitted a little closer, but beaver was something else I did heavily consider. Mm Mm-hmm. The one thing that made me steer away from beaver is they have those scaled tails that I figured, like, someone probably would have, like pointed that part out but it is definitely something i thought over you know you can eat beaver tail 
You you can eat most proteins. I didn't, re- you know, I was well, I was watching like one of those. I was like, it was like Master Chef, and a dude cooked beaver tail. I didn't even realize. I just saw that, and it reminded me of that. I just thought that was the craziest thing ever. I I wonder, is he good? No, we didn't get on the show. Oh, <laughs> so, I don't think so. All right, uh, I'd try it. Katenry yeah. uh, McKay says this makes me think of that story, the Green Clawed Beast. Eyebrow raise, raise. Uh, this was in the Ohio River as well. Lady was attacked, and she swore she could see, f- uh, feel fingers wrapped around her ankle, pulling her underwater. She How? had deeds cut all over her leg, and figured this was a bluish colored mud. Uh, and she had cuts on her on her leg, and there was this bluish colored mud or clay all over her. Interestingly enough, that is what we talked about in the pillow talk <laughs> so, segment. Yeah, yeah, that we- is exactly what we went into. <laughs> So we went to the exact same point. The, yeah. uh, the Green Cloud Beast was actually just a few miles from where we're recording right now. Yeah. That was actually here, like just outside of Evansville. We've been there. We've seen it. We've we've seen we've seen the area. We, we've seen the area. I don't. I wouldn't say we've seen it. No, we've, <laughs> but well, we've, we've seen the area where this has happened. My advice: go during the day. Uh, yeah, no, it is a little bit of a rough area, and if you drive around there at night, some weird things will happen. People will follow you around. It, it, just go yeah. watch some of our early yeah, episodes, we'll, we'll and you. you'll find out about it. Yeah, uh, <laughs> The Dark Phoenix said, uh, paleontologists are bad drawers. Vic, I'm hurt. How could you? How dare you? My heart, ow. Oh, crud. <laughs> I didn't know you were a paleontologist. You're an awesome drawer. You were just out there hurting our fans' feelings, Vic. How dare you? I didn't know. I'm sorry. I apologize to the field of paleontology. Just calling them bad artists. <laughs> Gray9438 said, Interestingly enough, there have been reports from the British Columbia of large alligator-like creatures in various lakes and rivers throughout the 1900s. Since it's far too cold for a population of alligators to exist in this area, perhaps they're actually seeing an unknown species of giant salamander that exists in areas where large reptiles are absent. Oh, that makes so much sense and is such an amazing idea. I was not aware of this, but this is really neat. I'm going to try to look into this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because there were um, there were actually many amphibians, uh, early amphibians that were large and could be easily mistaken for alligators because they had a very similar body type. There were actually some, uh, do, if I say caiman, Marcus, do you know what I mean? Caiman. That's, yes, that's a type of alligator. Yeah, yeah, it's those ones I with knew the that. really long, thin jaw. Yes, I knew that. Thank you very much, Indianapolis Zoo. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like optimal for catching fish. And some of these early amphibians mm. had the exact caiman mouth. Right, right. So, like, them being mistaken for alligators is definitely something that could easily happen. Also, a lot of them didn't just have skin like modern-day um, salamanders. Many of them actually had scales. So... Mm. This could easily be a thing. Well, yeah. Well, I think that I think what Gray is getting at is that idea that we talked about in the episode where maybe they were seeing a species they just didn't understand and then it just sort of blew up out of the water. Like, and I think that you can, and I think that happens more often than not when people encounter something again that they may or may not know what it is. You see all these these stories about it. I also, and again, I'm always willing to believe a witness in what they say. I don't necessarily believe size when people because people are very bad judgers like judges of like size like i'm just saying like again i go back to my grandfather's deer story that he gives all the time like people just suck at it size plus distance plus memory does not always compute super well yeah i'll challenge anybody all the time being like tell me how long that is we'll get a tape measure it i don't think most i don't think most people just are, are experts at, at being able to gauge that uh, anyway, thank you guys so much for the comments. We appreciate it so much. We always say, put your guys' thoughts on these episodes below. We'll go over good, badly, ugly, and everything in between. Uh, so today, 
what we're going to do is we're actually going to go over a topic and hopefully this episode gets put up because the last time that we tried to talk about this particular uh, episode in the video, the government shut us down and, oh, sorry, my computer mysteriously crashed under unknown circumstances. A little bit of backstory. Back in season one forever ago, we decided we we're going to pre-record a few videos and one of them was on this topic and then boom. Mm-hmm. Everything shut down, lost everything, and we almost stopped the channel right there. Right. We actually took a long break right after that because we had pre-recorded a lot of episodes and everything was fully unrecoverable. Swipe. That was the first time that the Men in Black probably that was tasked with watching us probably intervened to silence us <laughs> from putting out something. So we're still to this day suspicious of exactly which one it was. Maybe it was this. We don't know. We're probably going to get into accusing like we did during the Giants episodes, the Smithsonian, and science for covering... <laughs> crap up <laughs> i almost did it again cover myself up here uh so we're gonna get a little bit of that because today what we're gonna talk we're gonna talk about this phenomenon of live animals being entombed and found inside of rocks specifically but not just rocks because there's other examples of this phenomenon phenomenon happening in uh trees tree stumps drywall concrete all sorts of weird all sorts of weird crap out there and it's stuff that goes back I mean, a lot of times when people talk about this particular story, I mean, they'll, I think it was 14, 14, 14 times the magazine talked about since the 15th century, there's been like 210 accounts of these that have been recorded. But you can even find accounts of these that even go back further than that. So Yeah, you can find these existing in a lot of older science journals as well as newspapers. Mm-hmm. Of people just literally just cracking open generally a rock or some sort of like hard rock substance and... Animals pop out, like generally amphibians, sometimes reptiles. I found an example of a mammal <laughs> of it happening. And uh, interestingly yeah. enough, alive. Yeah, and weird. And sometimes encased in rock that's like millions of years old. Uh, and sometimes not even just regular animals. Sometimes they're animals that are prehistoric. And sometimes they're giant animals. <laughs> like, it's just, it's so weird when you fall down the rabbit hole of these. Like, it's so... You know what was the weirdest thing that I found out about this when I did this? Okay, so, like, if you ever, like, really look up this topic, one of the first things that I thought was weird is if you ever go to the Wikipedia page on this, which a lot of people start when they're looking up something, it's actually pretty short. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's actually, that was one of the things that I thought that was really interesting was there's really not a whole lot, there was not a whole lot there for a person to sort of start as a frame of reference. They'll do that 14 times magazine that example is always quoted in any articles about this to talk about a science study that did. And then they give a couple different examples. And that's really it. But the story goes way, 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 way deeper than that. It's also a little difficult to research if you don't know the term to look into. So when I started my research, I didn't know the exact term. I just started Googling basically a description of it. I didn't know that the term you need to Google was entombed animals. So I couldn't find anything for quite a bit, so I switched my research to studying things like hibernation, and then halfway through that study, I had stumbled upon the the term entombed animal. And make sure if you're doing research, that's my big hint to you. Start with that term. It will save you so much time. (laughs) Whenever, whenever Whenever you're looking up stuff about this, uh, you know, absolutely. Um, I mean, it's okay. So I'm, I'm really trying to think of like, like. Uh, where I really want to start when we're when we're breaking this down, because typically, what'll happen when you're researching this is you'll look at an article, and the first thing they'll tell you is, this, is about the general phenomenon of this, and then it sort of like throws out 
uh, a couple stories. And I can do that, and I have, like, just a very, 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 very brief just couple stories about what I'm talking about. Um, like, for an example, like, Benjamin Franklin wrote an account of four life toads that were supposedly found in cl- encased inside uh, quarried limestone. Remember, they broke it open. Uh, there was a gentleman, and uh, it was 1876, a report from South Africa said that 63 small toads were found in the middle of a 16-foot-wide tree trunk. They just opened up, and they just all started hopping around. Um, oh, yeah, and in that one, just as a note, it was a solid tree trunk. Solid it tree was trunk. not a tree hollowed trunk. tree trunk. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, there's, an, uh, there's an example here from the early 19th century where there was a Julian Huxley that was writing a letter that was talking about that this person had found a claim that they found uh, freed 23 uh, frogs from a single piece of concrete while they were widening a road in Devonshire, England. I mean, you literally just can find examples of this just everywhere. Yeah, and most of them are not being reported by scientists, although some are. Many of them are being reported by mainly people who work with this stuff. People, uh, yeah. like, there's one of the stories yeah. that comes from uh, England, and they're uh, changing how some of the pipes lay, and they have to dig into the concrete to get to the pipes. And as they're digging, they keep coming across live frogs <laughs> while they're breaking the concrete. Oh, my God. Seriously, the biggest reporters of this phenomenon tend to be, like, builders, like people that work with their hands, yeah. like, like like that, which kind of pisses me off when you see the explanation that scientists love to give. Oh, these people, they misidentified what they saw. They were not 100% <laughs> sure. Like, oh. for, like, for some reason, like, like construction workers don't know what they're talking about when they're like, we broke open a, like, concrete or a rock and friggin' amphibians started hopping out. Yeah, <laughs> they don't know what it's like. Yeah, yeah it, the construction workers don't know what it's like working with rocks, you know. N- not not these scientists from no, the no, house. No, no. Here's what's happening. They're sneaking in there, and you're just not paying attention. Because <laughs> you know the number one thing people working with heavy equipment that can kill them do? Is not pay attention, attention. to what's going on. <laughs> oh, my God. It's just so... It's just, oh my god, like it's one of the most, most infuriating things that you see in the paranormal when people are talking about that, when scientists just say, people don't know what they're seeing, like they don't know, and don't get me wrong, I know that I literally ripped on people not being able to like recognize how tall or how long something is, okay, but that's a far cry from somebody who's their specific job doesn't know what they're doing. Okay, like that, or somebody who just lives in the area can't recognize something. Like that's beyond that's a big this difference. This isn't strange phenomena occurring at a distance. This no, is strange not. phenomena occurring inches from you. Yeah, like you know, like the people cutting down a tree didn't notice the frog, like twenty three frogs, sneakily jumping up and jumping up inside, jumping when you, like when your back was turned. Like that's the longest friggin' lunch break I've ever seen where they weren't noticing that. Also, although there have been a handful of experiments done on this. To the best of my knowledge, there are only two. Like, did you find more than two? Like, there was one done, and then another one done, and then a, they had repeated it a bit mm-hmm. later. I didn't find more scientific studies on the entombment than that. Okay, now, so so the one, so the most famous study that people talking about this phenomenon talk talk about this talk about the study from William Buckland. Okay, and this is an English geologist in the 1820s, and he set out to to study this phenomenon specifically. Cuz you see that with this phenomenon, people just say, "Oh, there's not a whole lot of research done." And they just point to this particular study. So what this guy did was he was he goes out and he's like, "All right," and he takes uh, he takes sandstone and then he takes limestone and then he puts frogs 
or toe, like he like he puts amphibians inside inside and then seals it up and then buries it. And then what happens is he digs it up like a, he digs it up like a year later. I think it's six months. Yeah, like he he puts it underground for a good amount of time. So when he digs him up, what he finds is that all of the ones in the sandstone died. Mm-hmm. And some of the ones in the limestone survived. Most yeah. of them had died. Some of them started decaying. But a couple of them had survived the process and were living. And what he had found within the limestone was that some of the cracks had formed. And he found some insects. Actually, what he even said, too, was a couple of the frogs in there had actually even gained weight. Now, to be fair, they may have been eating some of the frogs in there. I mean, what happened? I don't know. I didn't read that. I didn't see that far into his study. I think there was only one frog in each tomb. Yeah. No, he had multiple oh, frogs. Oh, was, it, was it multiple? I might have misread that because I, no, no, no. I read the other side, too. And I think the other one was the one in no, no, plaster, no, and I think that was just No, one. no, he had, he had a couple. No, no, oh, no. okay. Mm-mm. I mean, it's definitely not and, odd for, especially if he used toads. Toads engage in cannibalism very oh, yeah. quickly. <laughs> and so he, uh, so what he did was he, uh, they were toads. Specifically, I'm looking at my notes. So they were toads. So what his takeaway from it was, was that he found insects inside the limestone where the cracks had formed. And so what he had said was the ones in the sandstone all died because it was sealed, and that was the reason, and nothing could get in there, and that's the reason why they all died. So the fact that there were cracks and sandstone's porous, or sorry, limestone's porous, that that was what was able to allow insects and crap to get inside there for them to be able to survive, a couple of them to be able to survive for, I think it was the full year or whatever that they were, that they, that they were down in there. And I think they... He did repeat the study again, though. Mm-hmm. And in this one, he made sure there weren't cracks in the limestone, and supposedly all of them died. Mm-hmm. But, but limestone is a common... Limestone is a common rock that seems to be found throughout a lot of the examples of people finding these things inside it, or some sort of porous type rock. Because even yeah. concrete can be sealed like there, although there's some cracks that can be formed but anyway but 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 limestone's pretty porousy um and that i think could be probably one of the best explanations for this phenomenon because they talked about insects being able to get inside of there for some of these like frogs and stuff to be able to live on but, but what year was this study done in 1820 something and i think that's where a lot of his flaws flaws come from i've done a lot of research into this over Are the week saying his flaws was that this was in the 1820s like, well, the <laughs> like thing your is, flaws just time period there were mechanism there's mechanisms that have been discovered about many animals that were not known at the time mm-hmm. and i think that's where the crux of the matter is going to come in but i'm going to hold off to a little sure. later before I elaborate on I was to get into some of the stories because there's little details hidden in the stories that kind of lead me to a conclusion. Oh yeah. I mean there's some really I mean there's some wild stories that that come from about this. Like one of my favorite like one of the most recent ones uh, examples that people always throw out is they talk about uh it was down in Texas. It oh, was, is it Rip? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come oh, I the, love Rip. Yeah, the turtle, the turtle that was found when they were oh, working. Oh no, 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 that's not Rip. Rip yeah. is a horny toe, but it was also oh, in Texas. No, no, no. Yeah, the the turtle that was the turtle that was found whenever they were. It was I think it was concrete was what they were working yeah. on, uh, and they survived. But it died a couple days. But it died a couple days later. Whenever they that was one of the ones examples that it died after they they let it out or whatever that they found in there. There was another interesting one <laughs> that I thought was funny. This was an example of an insect because they said whenever King Tut's tomb that was opened up. Uh, one of the the guy that exploited the guy that opened up his uh, his associate that died from it. They claimed that he died from a mosquito that was hundreds of years old, that was thousands of years old from it. 
Um, another fun one that I thought that was interesting too was the mouse that they found in, in oh, one. Yeah, this is one of the most recent ones. Wasn't yeah, it? there was a it was a mouse that was inside of uh it was that was inside of uh it was a tree trunk and that 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 popped out and then uh, that that crawled out of which I thought which I thought was really interesting too. And I think that's the only example of a mammal. mammal. Yeah, that's the only example of a mammal that I've been able to find the entire the, the entire time of doing yeah. That's all. I didn't see any. Like it, as well. it, it always goes in the it always goes in the order of like uh, amphibians. Reptiles, mammals, and then I—I I think insects just naturally can be inside. So I get, um, anyway, but that's so I've only been able to see like one inch, but they couldn't really technically prove. Rip, I, I don't have that. the date on it, but it was one of the most recent ones. Um, Rip was a horny toad, which uh, so many people writing on this, and this is a pet peeve of mine, kept identifying horny toads as a type of amphibian. They are not; they are lizards. Trust me, they are not amphibians. Um, but basically. Uh, they decide that they're going to do a time capsule and they're going to open it up 30 years later. They pack a bunch of things in there and for some reason a guy throws in a live horn toad. Mm-hmm. For reasons, probably, I, I don't really get why they did that. So they seal it up and then 30 years later they open it up and all the things are in there and they're holding up the dead horn toad and they're moving around and it's all stiff. And then a few minutes later it stops being stiff and starts moving. <laughs> After 30 years of being <laughs> sealed up. God. Uh, I mean, and that's just, it, it's just so interesting. Like, we, the only other example that I've ever seen of people trying to give explanations to this that's even slightly scientific is talking about people not being able to identify the type of stone that they found. So that instead of it actually being like stone, it's more like mud. So what you're seeing is you're seeing like some of these things literally getting into mud or something, and then it hardens for some sort of reason. And then actually what's being broken open is mud and these things popping out and walking around. And it wasn't as encased as what people think that it actually was. Actually, if we want to start cracking into some scientific explanations, I think I'm ready. Sure. Okay. First, what is definitely not happening here, it's not hibernation. It is, I'm, I'm first going to throw that out there. What is occurring is not hibernation. Um, hibernation is basically a process by which mainly mammals, but many other animals as well, um, basically go through this sleeping period where they're going in and out of a process called torpor. Um, torpor actually is, I'm going to retract a little bit. It's, it's a common misconception that it's sleeping, but it's not sleeping. Torp, when you're in torpor, you are not asleep. You are in this state in between being awake and asleep and your body... Um, processes are reduced to an extreme level you actually stir periodically from torpor and there's parts where you have to come out of torpor to sleep but basically it tones down how much your body is expending to give you a longer amount of time without having to do it that's why most animals gorge first a real life example is to say like your dad watching tv and he closes his eyes he's not really asleep <laughs> like the whole time that's why whenever you touch your bone you change the show he goes ah, i was watching that i wasn't sleeping like that's probably the closest a real life example if you see that as for humans but like most animals at least somewhat stir from torpor every couple days they usually will just readjust and go right back into torpor or switch to sleeping because you know the brain still needs sleep Mm -hmm. but ultimately it kind of takes you into a low maintenance mode Mm -hmm. but that is definitely not what's happening here um hibernation would not allow for these periods of time to occur also you're not totally unconscious when you're doing it. You still need to move, and you still need to hit certain um, things for living. 
Also, the process doesn't bring your biology down low enough to make it so you did not have to eat for that long of a period of time. I think that's why you don't see these cases with mammals often. But there are other mechanisms that have been discovered that could achieve something like this. And I'm probably going to mispronounce them. I've learned all these terms in the last week, guys. But just be So bear with me. If there's a biologist out there and I make an error, please correct me in the comments below. But cryptobiosis is one that could possibly explain it. Cryptobiosis is way beyond torpor. <laughs> Basically, when going through the process of cryptobiosis, which is usually possessed by reptiles, amphibians, cephalopods, insects, those are mainly the things that we see doing it. Your body functions drop so low that scientifically, it would be considered dead. Basically, your body stops healing itself, your brain functions stop, your circulatory system stops. All the markers that we'd normally use to consider something alive have at this point ceased to be. Except for there's basically just enough biology going on in there that your body is looking for a trigger. Like, say, if you go into uh, cryptobiosis because of drought, which is a really common one that triggers cryptobiosis in, like, say, snails and frogs, your body is just waiting for a trigger of wetness. Once that wetness hits, your body starts to slowly turn back on and activate, basically waking from death. Um, it's arguable on if a creature in the process of cryptobiosis should even be considered alive or in a state of temporary death. You, you look like you wanted to chime in. No, like my only real my only real argument that I would throw against that is if you look at a lot of these stories of, of animals in which they, when they've popped out, shortly after that, though, a lot of them die. So I think if that's some sort of like natural evolution for some sort of cr like creatures, like they... They would have been able to, more of them would be able to survive this process of waking up. And most scientists claim that, oh, well, the reason about what, why this may happen is, you know, being exposed to that much fresh air and sunshine caused them to just keel over because it's too much stimulus. Well, yes, it could be shock. But the thing is, there's other things. Most animals are not made to sustain cryptobiosis for an extremely prolonged period of time. The thing is, your body's not maintaining your cellular structure. For the most part, you could rot while you're in this state, but... Think about it, if you're in a state where you're already entombed, fully sealed pretty much in rock, the normal processes by which bacteria would break you down is not going to be optimally working. But the thing is this, you're still going through cellular degeneration because your body's not upkeeping your cells well. Likely, if you've been in this, say, for, let's say, 40 years, this creature's been entombed in 40 years and went into cryptobiosis for 40 years, that is way longer than what you're supposed to be able to sustain with it. When you wake up, you probably are going to be able to move around for a while, but there's already trauma done to the cells. It's probably just not going to live long. And some of the things that are kind of markers of this that you see, a lot of people describe that when the animal is found, its color is drastically reduced from normal. That's a lot paler than it. And when you say look at a wood frog that's going through cryptobiosis, it is usually much paler. And that's true for most animals. If you look at, like, say, a common one we can talk about is brine shrimp. And this is freaking amazing. Brine shrimp, when you dry them out and just leave them there, they curl up, they turn to these white husks and kind of turn in on themselves. But they're not dead. <laughs> they will, by all accounts, they look dead. And you can have them that way for about as long as you want. But then you dunk them in water in the right sort of conditions, they start to twitch, 
They start to regain their color going from a pale white back to a natural color, and they start kicking around. Point of order, I would like to bring up, Vic seems to be avoiding the obvious thing, which is how the F did these things get in limestone in the first place? Okay, limestone... But I do get your point. I do think that there's probably some sort of underlying biological function that's probably going on that that we probably have not studied within amphibians and reptiles that we just don't get. Okay, I'm going to stop to answer your question real quick. Right, though. right. Because, again, because you're talking about forming formation of limestone, because limestone forms under like underwater... And I'm pretty sure it takes millions of years for it to form. And that's so anything being trapped in there has had to have been in there for a very long period of time. And even so, some of these things, which are weird, some of these species haven't even existed during that time, too, for mm-hmm. some ones that have popped out. Okay. For how do they get in there? Uh, for limestone, it's not a super hard reach because it's going to happen probably in a similar way that it did with concrete, where the animal got in it where it's wet. Uh, limestone can break up into kind of particulates and then a rainfall comes and it's kind of this sludge of limestone where the water's carrying a lot of it. It washes up an animal, then as it dries, it's basically encased in there. Um, probably for concrete, it's while it's moving around. Sandstone, I'm not sure because I don't know enough about sandstone. But interestingly enough, almost all the rocks that this is reported in are rocks that can contain salt or can allow salt to permeate in. Which brings me to another possibility, um, estivation. (laughs) I know I was going to get it. Uh, Estivation is basically, uh, it's often used in situations where you need to change your body chemistry to better suit uh, an adverse situation and works similar to torpor. But uh, it kind of allows you to, once again, reach that brink of death but estivation often does require salt um, which most of these stones you can get them through but there's one other point one other detail that would lend towards either estivation or cryptobiosis when we're talking about frogs a common thing mentioned in the details is that it had this film over it it had this yellowish film or the frog's mouth wouldn't open anymore it's like the mouth had shield sealed shut Many amphibians, when in a state of survival, can release this um, this mucus that they normally use to keep their skin moist. They can kind of encase themselves in it and allow it to harden. The idea is that the hard mucus will seal in all their liquids and keep them from drying out. So when I see them say, oh, it had this weird film on, or oh, it, it couldn't really open its mouth, it's like there was this yellowish thing that sealed the mouth shut. That makes me think it has to be doing this that it it, ha- it it's the only mechanism i can think for a frog to do that and you also don't find these details mentioned when you're talking about reptiles which can't do it mm-hmm. so i'm thinking that there are definitely biological mechanisms occurring here now wood i can't explain how they got in wood i've got no <laughs> like, clue because again I, I still go back to the limestone thing because even though you're talking about that where they'll rush and do that but some of these things are being found like 10 15 feet underground like i don't necessarily like again that means that these things had to have been exi- had to have been down there for like, you know, thousands of, for a very extensive period of time for these to happen, not just one single rainfall that got down there. And so that's one of my things that I've, that I'm like, so these things have had to have been down there for a very, 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 very long period of time. And it's possible because especially with some of them where, uh, like there's one where they found three salamanders and the biologist who was studying them said, these aren't salamanders that live today. So on some of them, 
I think you're right, but also you have to remember water will flow to its lowest point. So it's naturally going to be dragged down to uh, deeper substratus if it's like, say, a rush of water dragging animals. But I also think there's situations where you're 100% correct. Um, I don't think it explains every case. No, I don't, I don't, think, I don't think that it does. Um, it definitely doesn't explain wood because wood no. doesn't work. Like, <laughs> like it just it. sort of sat there. Like it's just like these things are just sitting there and the tree just grows up all around it. And so the frog's natural response is not to not to move away. It's just a oh no, I'm gonna go into this weird hibernate like hibernative torpor state just to protect myself from this tree growing around. <laughs> just hoping nothing gets me. Like plant biology, I I only did mediocre in botany. My only thought would be maybe the tree at one point had a cavern. That animals then entered the cavern, and then the cavern healed over. Mm-hmm. I don't think that makes much sense, but maybe this is a thing. Someone who's a, a botanist can tell me why I'm wrong there, because I feel like I'm probably wrong. Oh, absolutely. Look, I think that was one, that's just one of the weird... Like, they talk about like, just having these... When they talk about coming out of trees, they really talk about it like that it's just encased inside the tree. Not like mm-hmm. there's this weird path that they can go to just encased in solid wood that's just... Rocks, like I'm a rock solid, tree solid, like tree solid. So I just find that weird. But I mean, can, if I remember right, wood can heal itself. It can yeah, fill in yeah. those crevices. Like it can, but again, but you're talking about an animal that just, which is what, wait? <laughs> like, I mean, it's not going to fill it that fast. Well, once again, I'm kind of reaching for straws here. But like, say, a frog tries to um, get into a crevice of a tree. It falls in in such a way it can't climb out, but bugs are still coming in. Slowly over time, it sustains itself all the bugs while the tree is healing, and eventually it heals around the frog. Yeah, I like, think that's how they survive. Kind of guess. I think that's how they survive. I think that's a real thing that I don't think that I think when people are saying that's probably fully encased, there may or may not be more examples in which I mean, bugs are very I mean, like they're very innovative for getting wherever they want to be. I mean, they can mm-hmm. burrow, they can get in there, they can they can get in all sorts of places. So if there's a if there's a path to get in there, these bugs are going to be able to find it. And then it's probably how they're getting eaten and probably how they're surviving. Like, if you look at, like, a Buckland study. So I, I think that may be what's going on. I uh, know. They have to be going to some sort of sleep because there's no way they're getting consistent water and air. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure, some of them. Some of them. Yeah. Because, like. Or how much air that they actually need. But It sounds like these things are pretty heavily encased. And mm-hmm. in the case of amphibians, if you cover up all their skin, they can't breathe no more. <laughs> And it really seems like a lot of them, particularly with amphibians, they're fully encased. And then they I, just croak out. Yeah, yeah I, I think it has to be they're entering some sort of <coughs> cryptobiosis, estivation, something that allows them to bring their, basically their body functions down to the brink of death. I want to ask you this, because this is something that I don't, that is that is never brought up in any of these, in any of these articles, that they're never brought up in anything. Why do you think that the scientific community does not study this? Because that's one of the things that I throw out there. Because if I'm seeing something, like, keep in mind, like, if I'm if I'm an amphibian or if I'm a reptile biologist, to me, this seems like a cool thing to look at. Like, even if it doesn't work, this just seems like this would be, like, an interesting field just to look at for the, for the sole purpose of that. Of can amphibians or reptiles or something survive, like, in this deep, in this, in this deep uh, stasis type field. Now, granted, though, I mean, I don't know if I want to go that far where I'm, like, burying things alive. That seems kind of like like a sadist move, but I don't want to do that. But Well, my first thought is this was mainly going on around the Victorian era. Mm. And, spoiler alert, Victorian-era scientists weren't always really great. Like, are you familiar with the story of Piltdown Man? No. It's where a bunch of Victorian-era scientists and the 
guy who wrote Sherlock Holmes is involved in it for some reason decides, we want to establish that human life started in England. And the oh. way we're going to do that is stage oh, a body. No, I, know, I know what you're talking about now. But no, but I don't think that that addresses what I'm talking about. Like, now is what I'm saying. Oh. Like, because this, this, this stories and these stories have not gone anywhere is what I'm saying. Like, it's swept under. It's just sort of this pseudoscience thing that's not accurate. Now, granted, one of the things that I find really weird about this in a lot of these stories is even ones that survive or ones that have put up on display. You know, the weird thing is, is uh, they just happen to have, they just happen to disappear. Oh yeah, yeah like the horn toad the, was yeah. stolen like three times and returned three times. Yeah, so like, it, like that's like even examples of is it so like it's one of three things: either a they hopped away, nobody stopped anything, uh, the taxidermic carcass or whatever they had disappears. Um, or, uh, uh, oh God, or, or it's, uh, taken for study, never seen again. Like that's one of those kind of like giants. giants. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of like one of those deals in which there's, there's, there's rarely evidence that's ever left of it. So I don't know if just people are just saying, oh, that's why, you know, it's, they're just making this stuff up or like, but to me, that seems like it's weird that you wouldn't even study this for the purpose of trying to. I don't know. Get to the bottom of what's going on here. I they're just gonna, they're just going to write it off as people just don't know what they're seeing. I which, think most modern biologists aren't even a, really that aware of this. I think oh, they're I taught that, that it's a it's a pseudoscience and you don't need to worry about it because like you you don't hear about these making the news nowadays. Mm-hmm. Now the thing is like one of the things I was thinking about this would be an easy experiment to do. It would be very easy, especially with our modern technology to do this you just would have to be have some minor funding and a willingness to be mean to some animals well i think that i think that the last major time this hit the news was in the 70s like the last time that like the major story this happened but i don't think it's entirely true that this doesn't mean the news because that that hammer that was found in rocks whatever yep. pe- people love to cart around that's been thrown out i mean it's not the exact same i mean it's sort of a lot you know in the same genre like you have something that's encased in rock that should not be encased on the type of rock that it is um, and then people go out trying to debunk it or give explanations to it. But you see this is a similar thing with live animals. To me, I don't even think that's the strong of a leap of why biologists wouldn't even want to examine this type of a type of a phenomenon. I bet they do. I bet that they do. Under, I bet that they have heard of this phenomenon before. I mean, probably some of them have heard of it, but they're probably relying on the fact that it was debunked in the Victorian era, and they're not examining what problems were there with that experiment. Mm-hmm. That would w- perhaps the experiment would be worth repeating because there's so many potential errors in how it was done. And personally, I think that it would be worth repeating because this would prove that, like, say, either estivation or cryptobiosis could go way beyond where we currently think the limits are. Oh, man, but is... I think there's no one really taking these stories very seriously in the field of biology right now. Um, also, like, I kind of feel like this is going to be something hard to get funding for. Like, say, if you're applying for a grant and you're like, oh, hey, I'm going to retest this thing that's pseudoscience compared to someone else who's doing something that might go more towards medical research. You don't think I feel that, like you're probably not going to get your grant. I don't think that's true. First of all, there is tons of grants for, like, really crappy things that get funded all the time. And if you tell if, – like, if someone came to me and said, hey, I want to look at, like tor- – like, like hibernation, like torpor-esque studies in amphibians. I don't think that that's that far of a stretch for people to get funding for a study like that. I, I don't think that it is. I don't I don't think that's, a, that's as much pseudoscience as, people, as you're claiming. 
Well, I, mean, I don't people, think that's people fair. People categorize it nowadays as pseudoscience. Yeah, they categorize that as pseudoscience. They oh, no, no. There's studies on things like torpor, and there's thi- there's studies on these mechanisms. Mm-hmm. But they're not connected to, like, say, um, to, say, animal entombment. So they're not looking at these long stays while encased in rock. Because another possibility is maybe a, a animal normally could not do it. Like, let's say... Um, you have a frog that enters um, cryptobiosis just here on the surface for no reason. And it just sits there. It's going to desiccate out. It's going to get eaten by bacteria. And it's just going to turn to bones over the course of, like, say, 40 years. But if you take that same frog and put it in stone, it has a lot of protection now from the environment. It has a lot of protection from being dried out. It has a lot of protection from bacteria. Basically, it has the bacteria that's already on it. It has the liquid that's going to be in there because it's not going to evaporate out through normal means. Maybe this is something that can only occur while in, fully entombed in stone. Well, I, I mean, it, it, it seems to be a, a popular thing amongst people in the paranormal that look at this about when you look at things encased in rock that are supposedly, according to modern science, as much as we know it, are millions of years old. But anything that may be able to test or challenge that or anything like that sort of gets met with, like, crap disappears, people are, t- people are told to be quiet, people are hushed, uh, all sorts of things that this creeps up. I mean, we saw the same, th- we saw the same thing when uh, we popped up with giants. You'll see young earth creationists that bring up all the time whenever they talk about trying to bring this stuff up. I mean, you'll, just, I mean, you'll see something that whenever, if it ever challenges this sort of, like, understanding of, of, of stuff like that, that people seem to just get real bulky. Okay, and disappearing. So. I have noticed something. We have not talked about the pterodactyl yet. Are we oh. going to save that for the patron segment? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll bring up the, the largest example of one of those. We can bring up that. Then can I go first on my final thoughts? Sure. I did a full 180 on this phenomenon. Oh, sure. I'm pretty sure last week I said there's no mechanism of science that can explain this. And I was incorrect. I think that this is explainable phenomena that has, for the most part, been ignored now does it push the boundaries of how we know these mechanisms work yes this is us taking known mechanisms that exist within these animals and extrapolating quite a bit on them but we're also talking about very specific circumstances that i think lend to that happening i think it's worth studying this because i think there is a high possibility that this is explainable phenomena Mm mm-hmm I think this is a phenomenon that falls into a similar genre of stuff that comes out in the early 18th, 19th century time stuff where people, they they have these things which are supposed to go against all modern science or all modern stuff that biology that we understand and then magically disappears later. Um, you know, we saw this with giants. We've seen this, some of the stuff with cryptids that have popped up and then just stuff just sort of disappears over the course of time. Um, I think you can write that off. I think you can write that off to sometimes just the bad, you know, organization of science back in the day up till now. I think maybe we've gotten better. You could write it some sort of massive conspiracy for just trying to keep the truth hidden, whatever you want to believe. People are just going to believe whatever they want to believe. Me personally, I think that there's probably an, I think that there's, there's probably an underlying, I agree with Vic that I think that there's an underlying biological function that's going on that's just not been studied. Um, I think that that's, I think that we, we probably understand the natural world a lot a lot less than what we think we do and we're always discovering new and phenomenal things 
Um, and so I think this is a, a really interesting example of that. Um, but let us know what you guys think in the comments below. Do you guys think that it's, do you guys think that it's just this un underlying biological function that we don't understand? Do you think that it's the Smithsonian science covering stuff up? They're just stealing stuff <laughs> so we don't, so we don't just don't get to the real truth. Uh, we didn't even get to some of the other stuff where it's examples of the biblical flood. I've seen people claim it's the Illuminati or other stuff like that. Matt, God just putting it there is some sort of miracle. I've heard that. I've heard that example before. We didn't really super get into any of those examples because it's really hard to back those up. Um, let us know what you guys think in the comments below. Um, again, if you like this video, don't forget to like, share, hit subscribe, and uh, hit that notification bell so you guys can stay up to date whenever we put out new content. But until next time, guys, keep believing. Because we'll keep listening. All right, guys, we're going to slide into the Pillow Talk segment of this podcast. If you want to check out the rest of the awesome podcast, all you got to do is go over to our Patreon and sign up. For as little as a dollar a month, you get the rest of this awesome podcast, as well as bonus episodes that we put up exclusively for our patrons. Uh, and if you send for $2 more of a month, you actually get access to our poll to vote on the theme for next month. So for this month of July, I know we're the beginning of it, but we wanted to do this episode because we did on Entombed Living Animals. Uh, but for July, we're actually going to do under uh, Underwater Phenomenon, which was voted for May, but we're going to do it here in July. Uh, but we're going to put up the poll for August, and we're going to add Nuclear Paranormal Phenomenon Very to the poll. There, yeah. Uh, so the options are going to be Nuclear Paranormal Phenomenon, Past Life Experiences, Famous Paranormal Investigators, and The Apocalypse. Uh, so go over to our page. Ooh, I know. I'm also so excited about Famous Paranormal Investigators. I did. So go over to our Patreon and sign up and uh, and let your voices be heard. Uh, so all right, guys, we're going to go uh, for a little bit longer. We're going to talk about another interesting case. Uh, Actually, in, the most interesting the most, the case. The most interesting case, I would say, yeah. Uh, involving something coming out of rock uh, living. So this story comes out of 1856. Uh, out of Illustrated London News, specifically is where it comes from. So supposedly in 1856, uh, in Calmut, France, some construction workers were working on building uh, a recent excavation of a railway tunnel.